Hello, everyone. I'm Biff Wilson, and this is episode two of What's Up, Westo? You know Superintendent Kyle Mealy. He's my frequent guest for podcasts. And you likely know Josh Burkett, our new varsity basketball coach here at Westell. But did you know that Josh's other job within the walls of Westell has a pretty good title, Rural Transformation Zone Director. So to find out exactly what that is and what it means for Westell, I sat down with Kyle and Josh so they could explain it to you and to me. Enjoy the podcast. So I'm sitting here today with uh, Kyle Mealy, superintendent of Westell Community Schools, and Josh Burkett, who is the Rural Transformation Zone Director. A lot of times you'll hear that uh, shortened to RTZ. So what we're going to do today is we're going to talk to both of them and and figure out what RTZ is, why we're involved, uh, who our partners are, and uh, just kind of get a real good idea um, what we're doing here at Westell with the uh, Rural Transformation Zone. So, Kyle, why don't you give us uh, sort of an overview of RTZ, uh, the program, including, you know, how are we funding it? Who are our partners? What kind of outcomes are we looking for? Yeah. So the Rural Transformation Zone is really part of a um, state-aided grant, and uh, it's a pretty extensive grant, the largest grant we've received since I've been here as a superintendent. Um, It is about... Overall, between three school districts, it's about $8 million. Um, the partners in that are those other two school districts in, in as they are part of the grant, which has helped us to create more of a coalition of schools that were going after the same thing. And in the other partner of that would be uh, EES, which is the consulting group that we've worked with prior um, on our, um, all of our learning priority models. And, and all the staff is really aware of EES, but they are a consulting group for schools that deal more with your curriculum side. For rural transformation zones, so those three schools have to have a reason at their designated school for a transformation. Why, what, what is the need? For Westdale, ours really got kicked off with special education um, there was a need there for improvement in special education. And then on top of that, we had already been working in some employability skills and really working with kids on um, where they not only grasping those employability skills, which sound, some of them sound basic, but those pieces are really important to employers. And that's what we're hearing a lot of. So the special ed really got the ball rolling for us. And then for other schools, which our other partners are Cambridge City, Lincoln, and Washington schools down south. And it may not be the same setup as ours. There obviously one might be a middle school, one might be a high school. Ours is the junior, senior high school. Um, so special ed was what got it kicked off, and it qualifies for our transformation because we have some areas of improvement we want to make there. But from there, it created these levers that are, you know, in different areas that encompass both special ed, but also encompass a lot of those other pieces that we talk about, employability skills, those things. Josh will be able to tell you a lot more about that side of it because he works more on the ground of that. So another piece as to why we have an RTZ director is it's a $2.5 million grant between each school. So each school gets $2.5 million. That totals you up to close to that $8 million that you're going to have um, overall. 
So that's a substantial grant. That's a lot of money. Only can be used at the middle high school. Cannot be used at the elementary. So that's a big piece too. Um, but uh, again, if we didn't have the partners at the other school districts that built this coalition with us in EES, we wouldn't have been able to secure that kind of funding. So that funding will then be used to improve areas that meet the levers inside the transformation zone. I could bore you to death talking about the levers and what they are, um, but I think as Josh talks a little bit, he'll be able to give you a little bit more about it. But basically, this is a state grant, and we have uh, implementation of three years with that grant. Um, so we've got two more years left, and um, his position as the RTC director is one in which he oversees mostly anything that is has those three letters involved in it, RTZ. Josh either knows about it, is implementing it, is organizing it. My whole role at this point is budget. So I tell him where we're at budget-wise, what we can do, what we need to amend, where, where we're going to pull from here, what we're going to do from here, and what we can do with that $2.5 million. So that's the overview of it. I would then defer to him to give you more of the details about what happens on the ground. All right. Sounds great. Um, so those other schools, they you said they each have $2.5 million as well are they doing similar things probably to what we're doing did they hire a director are they implementing yeah. so do they have they partners ha in the program yeah well? their director may be different it may be like an assistant principal that they added on to be a director okay. or it might be someone that they some they were allow, basically allowed to tailor it to what worked for them um you know we added other positions in there we have an academic counselor that we added an employability skills coordinator we added in an aide for special ed and then a co-teacher in special education to help us in that area um those are our positions and then we have a lot of other things going on a lot of fun things going on in there too that he can talk about um, but each school basically has the same setup but they may use a dual purpose position they might have somebody doing this and that um we're the only one with an RTC director that's also the head basketball coach. I do know that. Oh, okay. There you go. Um, so, so, and Josh may be able to, he may know more about this. I'm not sure. Um, or at least uh, the, the current numbers that I'm going to ask about. But prior to Josh being here, prior to us having a director, prior to us spending any money at all, um, you said our, uh, we had a demonstrated need in the special ed area. Mm -hmm. How was that measured? How did we know we had that need? Uh, the state of Indiana um, labeled our uh, special education program about three years ago at the high school a um, basically a needs improvement area um, based off of, you know, their work with IEPs, individual education plans, um, 504s, our demographic, and uh, total percentage of special education. And all of those met the criteria for us to need some improvement. We weren't, like, failing. We just needed some improvement. So that really is what kicked it off. And from there, we just built off of that. Because obviously, if you need to improve, we want to improve. Right. So we went after the grant money. We knew that was an area to go. And um, we've already, in the last two years, seen drastic improvement. So was our partnership with EES on the curriculum side, was that prior to yeah. this grant? And then was was that a significant feather or, or you know, something we could show those that were granting that money could we say hey we've got yeah. this partner and and this is why we should get this money the implement the the three schools implementation piece through ees was a big piece of winning the grant um and they helped us write all three schools helped work with ees to grant right and probably 
um, was the key in us securing that amount of money uh, was that we also had that support piece of the consulting and that we had all worked with them before. So we had some groundwork already laid with EES. It wasn't like a new partnership. So we were familiar with their people. They're familiar with our people. So when you're going to, re- when you're a state uh, funding grant of 8 million, you're going to put your money where you think it's going to be put at best use. And we already had a track record with EES as did Washington and Lincoln of success. They, they've, uh, we've seen improvement already in the areas that we worked with them. And that first implementation we did with them was through the ESSER money that we had from COVID. So we've been very fortunate through some additional funds outside of our education operations budget to be able to utilize them. This was just an extension of that. And I mean, to be transparent, you know, they're going to get their money out of the grant too. I mean, that's part of their deal is they write the grant. They're going to take a chunk of that money as well from each of the schools as they should, but they're on the ground and they're connected to Josh at all times to uh, really implement, make sure that we do it. And they, we, we just don't have the personnel to be able to uh, stay on top of all of the requirements of the grant because we are so small. So EES being a partner in there, yeah, it was a big, big piece in us getting it. And so I'm guessing um, because I think we may have alluded to this in, in other broadcasts um, that, uh, you know, the job of the superintendent, uh, you know, we don't know. A lot of times, you know, what's he doing over there every day? Um, you know, we notice there's a golf Very course being built. Very little if you ask you know. a lot of people. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, in, in the winter time, we're all in tune. With, we yeah. know all you do is yeah. either delay, That's cancel, right. or, or nothing. Yes. Um, but uh, um, I'm guessing that, uh, you know, the pipeline to these grants, the the knowledge that, hey, these things are available to us, that's probably part of your mission as well. Look, what's out there? What can we get? Um do they contact you? Does EES say, hey, there's something here? Um, is it an email that you get, a newsletter that you're aware of? How do you how do you come across those types of opportunities for the school system? In this case, it was EES and our partnership with EES that they reached out. And they said, you know, we found this grant opportunity. We'd like to go after a substantial piece of this grant. We, and they were able to handpick and say, we think these three schools are the most for their business are the most successful because this is another uh, marketing piece for them to say, we've written these grants. We've received $8 million to be shared among three schools. Well, that's going to, the next time they go to, to pitch their uh, plan and their programming, which a lot of that is grant writing to the next school district, they can say, look at our success rate. So they wanted to pick schools that they felt very successful. That would be very successful. That made us feel good. So that's a big piece of it, but no, they came to me, but in a, in a normal setting, um, rural small schools are not normal settings a lot of times. So if you're at a larger school district, they have grant writers on staff. Right Here, it's, it's kind of an army of one. You go and you find things as best you can, word of mouth. You might hear another superintendent say, hey, we're involved in this program. And you say, well, how, did you, how were you able to do that? Well, we received this grant. Okay, well, where's that at? So it is a lot of hunting that down and writing. I don't mind the grant writing side of things. There are superintendents that absolutely hate it, but I don't mind that. I would rather do that front-end part of it and then let guys like Josh and other people as the administrators that we have do the down on the ground and make it all happen. I'm I'm better suited where I'm at. Sure, sure. So, Josh, why don't you uh, tell us more about your role as the – Rural Transformation Zone Director. Uh, I think most people by now know that you coach basketball here. Yeah. And um, we can probably clear clear up the fact that you did not get a $2.5 million contract to coach basketball here. Um, but but we all, uh, all of us have the job that pays the bills, and then 
we also get money for coaching, you know? Right. Uh, so, so this is, this is your job here. Um, uh, rural transformation director. So, so what, you know, do you do, what are your goals? What are the outcomes? How are they measured? Um, what are you doing in here on a daily basis? So with it, there's a lot that with the five levers and honestly, they have a rural transformation zone director that works with the three schools specifically with EES and I communicate with him. His name's Chris Cates and I work with him daily. We communicate all the time on what's going on. What are, what are we doing with each lever? And within EES, he doesn't even do everything with all five levers for them. They have different people that are kind of in charge of the different levers. That's their strong suit, whether it's science of reading, um, they've got somebody that's in charge of reading. They've got somebody in charge of math and then employability skills. And so these are the levers. These that are you're the different. About? Okay. Yeah, the different levers. So lever one is is instructional priorities model. So IPM. That's more like best practices in in the classroom. What are we doing in the classroom? That's best practices. So we'll have training on that, and they train our administrative team every other Friday, essentially on IPM and then UDL, which is more of lever two, uh, universal design for learning. Um, and we had some training with our staff this, this week actually on that. And then lever three is the reading, science of reading, and really um, getting into that both at the elementary and the high, middle and high school. And then lever four is math-related, best practices, data-driven, um, and they have some programs that we wouldn't have access to had we not received this grant that EES has provided to us. And then lever five is the employability skills and where we're really working on those soft skills that, you know, we didn't even think about when we were going to school that kids need to know professionalism and not wearing PJs to school all the time. Like at some point you got to sure. you know, dress up and, and be, be ready because anymore there's different pathways to graduate and, and it's not always necessarily a one size fit all. Everybody's going to go to college. They need to be ready out of high school at times. So, so, so all those things that, that I had teachers saying to, to people in my classes, you know, in the real world, <laughs> Those are the employability skills. Yes, those okay. are the employability skills. And we hope through this, and we've got some cool things uh, on the docket that are coming up with some of this grant money that we're going to have available, but that we can get our kids ready. And, and maybe they'll find a career that they didn't know. And you don't – I mean, there's not a lot around here, right? We're, we're in Gaston, Indiana, and we've got Muncie's, our big city, close to us. And you got to think about, well, what's – what can they go do and what do they see? What are their experiences? And a lot of that's just prior knowledge. They see and they think that that's what they, what they see every day is what they think that they can go do. And so we are going to try and provide opportunities to be, expose them to things that are outside of what they see normally that, hey, maybe I'm interested in that. That's something that motivates me to do well in my classes that, you know, you kind of got to get through some of those classes you don't always love, but you got to do well. I, so I, teach, then, I teach those classes. Yeah. <laughs> so then you can do that later on and, and, and choose that career path and really love what you do when you become an adult and a citizen that's in society. So then is your position or does your position, I should ask, uh, involve a lot of paperwork? It uh, sounds like it. <laughs> it does. It's Less paperwork than you might think, but a lot of emails, um, which fortunately, having come from the athletic director role for two years, if you don't email and communicate well, you can't really do that job right. super well. Um, so I'm able to do that. And so I have to schedule. I'm kind of a middleman and Chris is kind of a, I'm in the middleman for Westell and Chris is the middleman for our uh, EES through the RTZ grant. And so we communicate to make sure that it will work for our teachers. We're not trying to overwhelm our teachers with too much training, but 
I also, our teachers are professionals. All educators want to be treated as professionals, and they want to grow. Anybody wants to grow in their craft if you want to be good at it. You're, you're not sitting complacent and trying to do the same thing over and over as the world changes, right? So we are always trying to be innovative, and I look at this less as, I know we received it because of our special education area, but we can grow in every aspect of teaching and the school, and I think that for our school, our size, I've been at big schools and I've been at small schools and, and the smaller schools that I worked at, we didn't have the professional, we had to go somewhere else to get it. And with this grant, we have that in house. We can, I can call up Chris and say, Hey, we really need this area in reading and we need you to send us Jordan Pridemore, who's a specialist in science of reading. We need you to send her to meet with our English language arts teachers and really help them in this area. They'll do it. I mean, we'll set that up. So that's kind of what I do is help set those meetings up. I'm not the professional in all those areas, but I try to get the right people involved so then we can grow. So, uh, um, so then you're responsible for, for really uh, communication in two different directions. You're working with our partners, NES, and, and their liaison. You're, you're the liaison here from staff right. to, to EES. You're also the liaison from, from staff and EES to, to Kyle over at central office um, and, and keeping him informed. Here's, here's what we're doing. Here's what we're going on or here's what's going on. Um, so what's a, you know, what's a Wednesday look like for you here at West Ham? <laughs> well, it depends on the day. You know, sometimes I'm, I'm more of like a, an assistant principal and sometimes I'm, I'm on a meeting like today. I, we talked about, you, you said, does it look different at every school? Yes between Washington, Lincoln, and us, it does look a little different, but everybody has an RTZ director, and we had a director's meeting today. And basically, when you work with a budget and you're trying to do this with a grant, you have to come up with, well, we might use this much money in this area and this much money in this area, but we have to make amendments. And so we got some dates of when they want us to have some amendments in because they have to then present, those have to go to the DOE and get approved. And it's not like a super rigorous process, but we have to get it done or the paper, I mean, they're going to come in. State Board of Accounts wouldn't like us spending money on certain things that don't have anything to do with a grant, right? So we have to stay on top of those things. So those are the things that are in the back of my mind. I And last thing I want to do is go to him and say, oh, no, you know, what, what did, we forgot to do this with the budgeting right. and then he's saying, well, that's your job, right? So I got to take care of some of that too and communicate well with Mr. Mealy on different things we're spending the money on and get approval there. So um, it, it really varies. And, and today, like we, I was talking to Mr. Purdue before that meeting about we're, we're in the process of, of we've got VR headsets that we're really excited about. We've got a program through Transfer VR where we are going to have Career Explorer opportunities for our PCC classes. So kids in middle school, they can put these VR headsets on and they can investigate whether they like welding or not with a headset. That or, sounds fun. Or change, doing an oil change or anything. Like um, I, there was one I did the other day. It was in the health field. I helped somebody with a knee injury. So these are things that they wouldn't be exposed to if we didn't have this and we wouldn't be able to afford this if we did not have this RTZ grant. And with that, we also, we don't just want to put them in a room and they're tucked away. We're going to improve our, our facility. We're going to have a VR space and that will probably be, end up being a more of a multi-purpose area, but we will have it for VR space as well. And I've worked with Mr. Mealy to kind of, we're going to have, that's one of the things we'll have to amend our budget for because you get discounts when you, you know, you, and you get subscribed for longer. So sure. we were, we've kind of worked through that and Mr. 
uh, Purdue and I have talked about, well, what do we want the furniture to look like in there? What's going to be most beneficial for our students and our staff members who use that commons area in the middle school? So every day looks a little different, mm-hmm. and it's I like it. I, I enjoy coming in and not necessarily always knowing exactly what's going to happen, but some days it's very structured. Monday, the whole day we were in training. So in the morning I was with you guys in the training with Jason Bletzinger, he was teaching our staff about uh, universal design for learning, and and we went through that. I think he does a really good job. He's level-headed and very, very smart. And those guys, like, we wouldn't, again, we wouldn't have that training that we can do here if we didn't have the RTZ grant. Yeah, those guys were good. Are they both former teachers or administrators? or I think they- everybody that they have employed at EES has been a teacher and an administrator in some capacity. Sure. And now he's hired them on to help with his company and and funny thing the world is so connected in the education world I actually worked with their their owner Mike Longman before I was ever back at Westlawn I didn't even know that I was at Kokomo teaching and he came in and was helping there and they work with Kokomo in a different way Um, but it was funny because we were connected I went to a meeting I'm like oh my gosh I didn't realize that we were working with you Mike so Ah, that was interesting almost quit (laughs) yeah (laughs) So, so then talking back to work that day. Oh yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Make sure Mike finds out about that. Lunch was a little long that day. Um, So now the budgets of, of say the three schools, uh, when you're working with your own budget here, I'm I'm guessing they're similar, but they're not the same. Um, You know, is, is another school doing VR? Are they going to look at you and go, Hey, wait, that sounds pretty cool. We're going to try to slide that into our budget as well. That's where we have these RTC director meetings and we kind of bounce ideas off each other. What are we, you know, what are you guys doing with some of this? And I know uh, Lincoln is going to a special ed conference in a different state because we were talking about the conference money and the travel expense money that is within the grant. And I was asking, you know, what are you guys using that for? So they're going there. But Washington, when I mentioned transfer VR, he's like, we're meeting with them too. We're, mm-hmm. we're looking into using that too. So it was interesting because we hadn't talked about it prior, but they had reached out and, and we're talking, maybe they talked before I got on about it. But since I had been on, we had not communicated that back and forth that we were going to both look into transfer VR. So I sure. thought that was kind of cool and unique. And every school's a little different on what their needs are, too. So right. it's going to be different. So so given that um, you've got three years, two and a half million dollars, is that right? Yeah, essentially, yes. It was really sure. kind of two and a half years, but we kind of, I found out today how, because obviously this grant was written before I got on. So mm-hmm. they kind of expedited the first year. So we got like part of the money the first year and we're kind of on this is technically year two even though it's my first year okay so it's kind of three years sort of um, but we we're on year one and year two money throughout this year so so given that that technology changes that ideas change how far out can you actually plan on that budget or do you have to remain just really flexible I think, well, for one, we don't get access to year three money until year three. So sure. I th- we're still unsure if they're going to actually let us take anything that's left over in year two to year three. So they told us today that we should probably spend year one first. Sure. And then start getting into our year two. So, yeah, it is a balancing act of, you know, what do we spend? What don't we spend? Do we want to carry this over so we can pay teacher stipends, which is a really exciting thing that we can do. That's another thing I didn't mention. We paid, I think, at least 38 staff members stipends for being a part of these lever teams. And they're kind of the first ones that have to jump into these training sessions. Now, will it spread to everybody in our staff? Yes. We want everybody to grow, but they maybe are the first ones that have to go into something and have some extra responsibilities. But we want to be able to have that 
money available each year. So it's a balancing act, and Mr. Meal and I talk about it, so we make sure that, that we're on top of those things. So is it is it then, is it a spend it or lose it proposition? Yeah. Well, I mean. It can be. It can be. It's just like any other grant, especially from the state and what, what you get. So, for instance, we're a Title I school, um, so each year we have to do a Title I grant is basically what it is and a title, if, you, if no one's familiar if they're listening to this title one is is based off of your amount of uh, poverty but also your amount of special education students and some other demographic pieces and that create whether you're eligible for title one so each year you get a certain amount of money that the state says okay this is your title one money uh, you have a date by which that must be spent. So the grant might be up in September, but you have till December 30 to encumber all of that amount of money that's there. This is very much the same way. They've built this grant like a title grant. It's, it runs about the same way. So for the second year, you're dealing with about a million, a little over a million of that money. So it's a big chunk. Um, where we're at is we have to decide now we have to look back at wh- exactly what the state's going to say. Okay, you have to have it spent by this date. And it very much may end up being, if it's not spent, you're not getting, because it's reimbursement. So the way the grant works is we, we buy the items and then we submit reimbursement to get that money reimbursed back to us. So, okay. so that's how it works. So we could easily, that money's not in our coffers right now mm-hmm. so we could they could easily say no you're not getting any more reimbursement after december 30 so that's the discussion right now is um so like next december 30 would be hey you need to have the 24 money spent and if that's the case then we have to scramble for amendments really quick and get those in but it won't really be that quick because we talk every week so we'll probably have that hammered out like by the summer and know what we're going to do so amendments are, are changes to the budget that you've already submitted? You have to submit a budget to initially get the grant. So, you know, they're not just going to give you money without a roadmap. Right. But the roadmap, basically, some roads might become blocked, and you say, okay, we're going to take another route. But to do that, you have to create an amendment. It's a pretty easy process as far as writing it, but you have to justify what that amendment is. You can't just... They're not just going to give you that amount of money and then say, you know, if you need to make a change, make a change. Nobody's going to care. No, when State Board of Accounts comes in, they're going to want to know the documentation of how did you get from budget one to budget four version? You know, where were the changes? Sure. And who signed off and approved those? And since it's the state, basically, we decide, well, we've got this amount of money here and we're going to shift it to this piece and make this piece different and do that. Something, you know, creative may come up in year two that we weren't expecting so we need to do that the other thing that happens is you know four or five of these positions are staff positions but we've already had a situation where one of those staff members resigned and for a month we didn't have anyone filling that position so that money that was designated to be paid to that person was put on hold so now that money wasn't actually paid for that month so you have some additional funds there well now you want to utilize that in the best way possible for the students so you know now you've hired someone they're going to they're going to go right back into getting that salary but you still have that month of money that's still there and um, it looks like this is not going to be a grant that you can encumber money or basically cash balance money and because it's reimbursement and then say well we're we're just gonna squirrel this away and use it and and i wouldn't do that if i was a grant person either i'd say no you, you know that's not what a grant's for 
utilize the funds by this date. So that's what's going to happen each year is we're going to have an end date. You need to have your funds. And by encumbered, it basically needs to have a PO that says, you know, purchase order that says you're going to put these money where this is. They're not going to let you carry it over into the next year. Right. I doubt to see that. So uh, that's good, though, because then we know exactly what we're working with and what we want to do. So then what happens at the end of two and a half years? What happens at the end of the grant? Well, at the end of the grant, the tough part of that is the staff members that became a part of those five positions were told when they hired in that when the grant is over, we can't ensure that your position will maintain. The board, the Westall Board of Trustees, will have to see, based off the recommendation of the superintendent, if our budget can withstand that. The other piece is, which is always a very unpopular decision, is when you are a school our size and your budget is very limited, you have to decide what's more important. So there are times where positions of less importance are let go to, to provide space for other positions. I'm not going to lie to people and say that's not the case. That's what they do at schools a lot of times. So that's another piece is if this is so good for kids and we don't want to lose it, but we're limited, we then have to make some really tough decisions. And the board of trustees are always putting, and that's what a lot of people don't understand and, and that's this is a short plug, but being a school board member is very difficult because you have to make HR decisions, but it's based off of what's best for kids, sure. not really what's best for the adults. Yeah, and so that's hard to be in. But th- those decisions, right now, I would say that uh, we're looking already ahead at what we can maintain, and we did that prior to engaging the grant. What can we do to maintain this? And we've also built a budget that, yeah, for staff members is, you know, one where we might lose a few because we can't carry it. But when you talk about the VR and the furniture that would go into that area, you're going to get another 10 to 15 years easy out of that equipment. Right. And it's probably going to be utilized by students that don't have a connection to the RTZ specifically, which is exactly what you want. So the ability, our creativity in building the, the impactful pieces for kids and for the kids uh, that we don't even have in this building yet, the ones that are sitting down at the elementary that will come through here that will be able to utilize the tools. So that's where I think we did a really good job is building that out. So then can you is, – is there a chance you could re-up on the grant, or are there other grants that would do the same thing? Or is that something EES might be going, hey, we're going to look to see if we can extend this for you? EES will start, and, and it may not be the same grant, maybe something different. Uh, I'll be doing that. Um, I'll be honest with you. I'll probably at that point engage Josh a little bit to say, hey, you know, I got a motivated guy here who's getting paid by a grant and his position might go away. I bet he'd he'd like to find another grant to be able to stay here. Um, So we'll work on that all together. At least maybe a GoFundMe page. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. something. Well, it depends on his basketball record (laughs) at the time. There may be, it might be a negative balance. How hard you work. It might be a negative balance in his GoFundMe page. Um, Anyway, what we'll do at that point is um, try to keep everybody, honestly. That'll be our goal. Right. So if that grant comes down the pike, absolutely. Uh, because if you look at the pieces we've added, an academic counselor, whether it's the RTZ or not, very needed in the middle school and doing a fantastic job, uh, spe- an additional special education teacher, everybody in the state of Indiana, every school will tell you we could use another right. special education teacher. So if we can hold on to that. Again, RTZ may, the the concept of RTZ may go away, but these positions might not. For 
Josh's position at being the RTZ director, you would say, well, you know, his position would be tied to that RTZ. Yeah, kind of, and, and really not. Because the one thing I will tell you that is probably equally needed in all public schools alongside counselors for mental health, which should be state-funded and should be put in every building, are career counselors put right. into every middle high school. And honestly, maybe even engaging into the elementary because we don't know what the careers are going to be. And that's a piece of RTZ that gets lost a little bit. There's a lot of career exploration. You talk about the VR. You know, we can't, we can't bring in some of these high-end CNC machines or some of these high-end welders. We're, we're, we're looking at it. We'd love to get to that point. If there's any donors out there, please contact me. <laughs> um, but we can give you that virtual simulation to see that. And that's, that's way outside of, of just being the special education realm. Now we're getting into career exploration. So his position could go away, but then again, he could be shifted into a really nice career counselor and, sure. and working with kids and saying, and if, you, if you're listening and you're thinking, what's a career counselor? Well, that's a person that sits down and they're not asking you about your feelings and all that stuff. They're saying, what do you want to do with your life? What's your passion for a career? What, where do you want to live so then that would give you a geographic job. What do you want to do in that area? And then you engage them early on. There's also the ability to take some career tests when you're young, you know, second, third grade to say, what's your interest? You know, maybe you're into cars at that age. Maybe you're into racing. Well, then that could lead into something different. But to have someone who can do that is really worth its weight in gold alongside a mental health counselor. Those two things should be funded by the state. They never will be, but they should be. Interesting. Well, I'll tell you, um, RTZ has a lot to it. Fortunately, you're here to help sort it out for, for all of us and, uh, and extend the training. Um, I was part of that training session the other day. It was a really good one, and the guys were really easy and good to work with. And, and we didn't get to everything, and we know that it's, it's fluid. We'll, we'll see them, right. you know, all, all the time. Uh, so we'll we'll be able to catch up on anything we miss, but um, that's a lot of information. You guys have been really helpful, I think, in explaining what the program is, um, where the money comes from, what we're doing with that money, and I, I hope that uh, everybody listening will will have a, a better understanding of what rural transformation zone is and and uh, what what Josh's day job is. Um, <laughs> we know what his night job is. Um, he's doing a really good job at that as well. So, um, you know, I don't know what you're doing over there in that other building. Not much. Uh, but uh, you're looking for donors for, yeah. for, for... I'm working for donors to find <laughs> more things for RTZ and to keep people employed. Well, appreciate it, guys. Thanks for coming by. Yep. Thanks. You bet. What's Up Westdale is a production of Westdale Warrior Cast, recorded in the podcast center located in room C10 of Westdale Middle High School, nestled in the rural surroundings of Gaston, Indiana. You can listen to all podcasts produced by Westdale Warrior Cast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere you find your podcasts. If you'd like to contact us, please email us at westdalewarriorcast at gmail. You can also find Westdale Warrior Cast on Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok. Thanks for listening.